Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris. Joining me once again by Facebook Messenger is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. Now, just for sake of the date, so that everybody understands, this is Tuesday night, April 20th. Was there any big news today? Any big news today? Well, besides it being 420, <laughs> um, the big news. Come on, Paul, you, you know what happened today. Tri- you talking about the results of the trial? There you go. That little story. Yeah, that little story. Yeah, I think I saw a little blurb just pop up on my phone or something about it. Yeah, for those that have been living in a cave with their head in the sand, Derek Chauvin was officially found guilty on all three charges today. So, justice was served there. I mean, it was it was a gimme. I mean, really, he was on tape, showed having uh, his knee on his neck for what, right at nine minutes? Or right nine, at nine and a half. Minutes. Yeah, and so he kept saying he can't breathe, and and then the last what forty five seconds, his body went motionless. Uh, the way I thought they said it in the closing arguments, the graphic they showed, it yeah. looked like a couple minutes where he wasn't moving. Or maybe it was two or three. I, I, I really, I'm I'm very awful. I haven't been watching the news. Well, I haven't been watching the trial. It's just been so negative here lately. I just... Because I, I, I just, turned on the news yesterday, and they were, or maybe two days ago, and they were given the deliberations, and yeah, I, haven't, so I didn't really want to watch that. Trial or nothing. I haven't followed any of it. I've, now, uh, I am a, I'm on Bing daily, and if there's like a little story about it or something, I will click on it and read about it, but as far as... Watching any kind of anything? No, I didn't. I'm horrible. But um, I knew in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, he's guilty. I mean, he is on camera. Come on. Well, right it, was, there. it was quite honestly, there was no way you could do any other result. Yeah. I mean, say what you want well, about the police. To, but the, the defense tried to say it was his. It was his drugs and his and heart condition that, and, and, uh, that caused him to die. No, it was a need of the neck, you idiot. Well, the thing I've been pointing out to everybody, and you know, I've I've stated it on here many times. I work in a mental hospital. We are trained from the start on how to restrain patients to prevent. The risk of injury to the patient and to the staff. From the start, we're trained like that. And I understand it's a real-world scenario as opposed to the hospital setting. But there should be better training to where you don't have someone face down on the ground with your knee on their throat, whatever it might be. Because from the start, I was trained... If the patient goes to the floor and is on their stomach, you disengage because of the potential for death. Plain and simple. That's the reason they gave us. Well, what I can understand, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've read was 
the need to the neck procedure by police by that police officer is not is not a trained um, technique. No, but if they had been trained properly, they would have known from the start. Even though common sense should have prevailed, that that's not a technique you use to restrain a person. Yeah, and plus there's about two other people on top of him too, holding him down. I thought it was four total, but I'm not positive. Anyway, what happened to those people? Because they were part of it. I think they were all fired, but I don't think they came up on charges because they did not actually have their knee on his throat. Well, they're accomplices. But... It all depends. See, I haven't watched the video. I don't know what the other officers said or did. But, like I said, when we have a patient face down on the ground, you disengage. That's the training. Yeah. So, and the fact remains is they knew better. But, regardless of how many years he gets, his life is absolutely ruined now. He is a convicted oh. murderer. Yeah, and he is probably going to be in protective custody. Well, I don't know. I know those. I know the inmates will go after him because of what he did. Well, he could be in solitary. Well, inmates. Well, I took a tour of the jail in uh, in Akron at Summit County Jail. They told me the police officers told me they said. If you go into jail, you're a cop killer, you will be punished by the inmates. If you harm a child, you'll be punished by the inmates. And if you are a dirty cop, and you get caught, and you get put in jail, you will be punished by the inmates. They will get you. And that's a dirty cop. Yep. And... He basically brought it on himself. He did. I bet he wishes he could turn back time now. But what got me is the look on his face when he was doing it. He looked so pompous and arrogant while he was doing it. Yeah, he's probably, from from what we saw in the video, he seems to be a total jerk. I mean, he ruined his life and his family's life doing that yeah. and the, I mean and you know in, in Chauvin's life I mean in uh, George Floyd's life yeah. and his I mean his constituents and his friends and it's just it's a huge mess it really is yeah. and speaking of people kind of getting what they deserve did you see the announcement today Ted Nugent Diagnosed positive coronavirus. for coronavirus. Yes, I saw that. And this is, this is from Newsweek. It says, Pandemic denier Ted Nugent has revealed he has tested positive for COVID-19 four months after he said the coronavirus crisis was, quote, not a real pandemic. The musician, 72, said on Monday that at one point he, quote, could hardly crawl out of bed end quote, after being struck with harsh symptoms of the disease. And I don't want to wish bad on anybody, but this is karma. 
And this is what's happening. Look at the Republicans who got the coronavirus that are now saying, oh yeah, you should wear your mask. Why didn't you say that from the start? It would have solved a lot of what we have wrong in this country. Well, Trump I mean, right at the top to, of that list. Let's go back to the very beginning where Trump found out how bad it was and he ignored it. Admitted on tape to, what was it, Bernstein or was it Woodward? Woodward. Admitted on tape that he downplayed the virus to not create a panic. Sorry, getting the actual information out and having people understand that this is the actual information would have been a lot better than him lying constantly, sporting hydroxychloroquine that caused people to get it out of fish tank filters and kill themselves. I mean, he is explicitly guilty in the handling of the pandemic and how bad it got in this country. Yeah, he didn't do anything about it until the end of March. And people still won't believe that he didn't have a plan in place for distributing the vaccine, even though it's well documented. He had no plan. I remember whenever, um, I remember whenever they reluctantly started giving all the reins over to Biden's administration before the inauguration. They found out at that point. I remember them saying. They left it up to the states on how to distribute it. And no one knew what they were doing. They had no game plan. They did not even know how to distribute the drugs. They had to go in and literally take control to tell them what to do. And then Biden's promise was to get 100 million people vaccinated with the first 100 days and he did it well beyond that time. What was it, 52 days, 53 days, something like that? He got over 100 million people vaccinated before those 53 days, yeah. And then by the end of the 100 days, he's wanting 150 million people vaccinated, but she's easily going to do that. So. Yep. And, but. and also, I have a little story to tell. I'm not going to name names because I know that they listen to the show from time to time, and I'm not going to, I can't name names because I'll be pointing fingers. There is a individual I talked to about getting the COVID vaccine, probably about two or three weeks ago, talking to them on the phone, and they work with the public uh, in a very public setting. They work for the public. And not like Target or anything like that. They work for the public, read between the lines. Anyways, I asked asked him, I said, are you or has anybody in your constituents, in your department, or in your whatever, isn't it a prerequisite or a requirement since you work with the public to get the coronavirus vaccine? He said, no, it's not. He said, we've all decided we don't need it. I said, really? He said, yes, we've been working with, you know, I've been out in the public with all these people for over two years, you know, for over a year now. And he said, and I've never gotten the coronavirus, been all around these people, never gotten it, and I don't, I don't need it. But he just, this whole time from 
this individual's Facebook posts doesn't believe that the coronavirus is what it, they say it is. He's all the time griping about Dr. Fauci on a lot of his posts. So he's a Trumpster. Lord, yeah, pretty much. And um, so he goes... So he went to a training course this past week for the job that he has. And nine individuals came down with the coronavirus at this training course. He ended up getting sick this past weekend with a fever. And got another fever the next night. And then went and got tested on Monday. And yep, positive for the coronavirus. So thank goodness he's got a slight case of it. So it isn't a major case like me and you had where it like literally choke slammed us. Well, for me, it wasn't... I didn't feel bad. I just couldn't stop coughing. And the coughing was extremely aggravating. Yeah, that cough you had, you had it for months. I had it for a full month. I would say you probably had the cough at least two months. No, it was a month. Because it was out of control for a month, and I finally got some cough medicine that brought it under control from the doctor. But they gave me these little pills that were supposed to stop my cough. They didn't do a thing. And the cough medicine that I ended up getting, that ended up working. But, yeah, I was out of work for a month because I couldn't stop coughing in the mask and couldn't work without the mask. So, I mean, there are still COVID deniers out there. um, And I hope and pray that they get, you know, that they get the help that they need. And um, I hope that everything goes good for them. And, um... And that certain individual I was talking about, I hope you're not mad at me. But anyways, love you. <laughs> so I uh, didn't mention your name. I didn't mention anything. So it could be anyone. So, um, but uh, I uh, hope and pray that you feel a lot better. And um, I will probably talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. And quite simply, we've tried to push the fact that COVID's not fun. It's real. And no, that we need to take no, it seriously. Uh, and anyone that knows me, and you know Chris, I I, I struggled. <laughs> I I really, I mean, I, I told, I said this before, and I'll say it again. It felt like I had cancer, and I was battling cancer again. That's how bad I felt. It was horrible, horrible. The way I felt. But. But you know what? My my smell and my taste is still not quite up to snuff of what it used to be. Because I remember uh, there was a sandwich that I would order um, from Jersey Mike's, and it was the Italian sub. And all the flavors and everything like that in it, I ordered it about a week and a half ago. I went and picked it up. And my, my, my taste buds used to dance. And just like, it was it was so full of flavor. My taste buds wasn't dancing. It just wasn't. It's like they were numb. I could taste some of the, you know, the hues of the sandwich, but not like I could before. And I'm like, oh, God. I, I thought, well, is it possible that it's taken this long for my taste to still come back 
It's possible. Because I still have the tightness in my chest from time to time. Which started due to the COVID. Yeah. So. Well. And they're I also looking at lingering song. effects on the brain, too. So. There's, there's a lot that people don't understand that comes with this. Just because you don't get sick doesn't mean you don't have long-term effects. And you may not realize the effects it's having on your brain. And you may find out down the road you've got something that's irreversible that COVID has caused in your brain. And that's not good. Your brain's yeah. kind of important in your body. One of the most important organs. But enough of the, the misery. Let's get to some good stuff. Enough of the misery. I love what you uh, I got two articles. And I'm not going to go into detail in them. But it just shows we have an actual adult in the White House again. The first one, ComicSans.com. I'm just going to read the headline because, I mean, you can pretty much get the story from that. Biden hands dropped toy... Back to slain Capitol officer's child in sweet moment during memorial service. Actually took the time to get up out of his seat and pick up the toy the child dropped. That's the kind of man he is. Someone had put it on TikTok. I follow, it's actually, I follow, the Capitol actually has a TikTok channel. Um, from, like, Capitol Hill. They have a TikTok channel, and um, Nancy Pelosi made the statement. It's like, you know, um, leave it to our president to pick up the distraction. That's what she said. Pick up the distraction, she said, and um, hand the the child over her toy. Thank you so much, Mr. President. Thank you so much. And and people just kind of like chuckled in the crowd, you know, and he was smiling as he gave the toy to the kid. Because it fell near his feet, and he got up and handed it to her. Well, the other story, this I got before the verdict today. So this was done before the verdict came back. It's from NBCNews.com. George Floyd's brother says President Biden called his family to say he is praying for them. Just another example of actually having an adult in the White House. And, you know, some people may say, well, George Floyd was a criminal anyways, and that doesn't matter. Imagine if it was your loved one. They might be a criminal. We've all got criminals in our family. I can pretty much guarantee you that. At some point, somewhere in your family, you're going to find somebody breaking the law. And I, I mean, can name several in my family right now, but I'm not going to. Well, I mean, you can name me for speeding, because I speed all the time, maybe five, ten miles over, but it's still breaking the law. I'm talking about family members that's actually been in prison. Well, I've, I've got that too, so don't feel bad, but... Okay, good. But, but you know, it's like drug addicts, you don't always know if your family's a drug addict, but they're there. Some are recovering, some aren't. You've got all kinds of situations. And now imagine that they were taken away by an officer 
kneeling on their throat for over nine minutes. How would you feel? This is what this country needs to remember. Empathy is an important tool. We can learn so much by trying to put ourselves into someone else's situation. And we can have more compassion. And we can be the, quote, Christian nation that people try to claim this state, this country is. And they, they claim it, but all they want to do is use what works for them and spread their hate against other people. And uh, that's, the, that's what I was getting ready to say was, unfortunately, if someone screams out... Oh, God, I'm exhausted already thinking about this. Um, I followed several different people on TikTok, and there was um, a woman who was escorted out of Target of somewhere, and she was screaming about her rights being violated about a mask. And she was, it was a body cam footage from uh, the officer that was questioning her. The customer started going off on her, saying, you don't know the law. You don't know what the law is. Where did you go to school? Blah, blah, blah. Where did you get your badge at? And she, the, she just, she said, I'm a Christian woman to begin with. And she said, I know my rights. What's it being a Christian knowing your rights for? What does that have to do with anything? Who you worship and what you do? Well, that has nothing. It's called being a decent person, you stupid bitch. The, the thing you know she needs to she, remember... She got arrested. She got arrested. The, the thing she needs to remember is being a Christian means caring about other people. Wearing a mask shows you care about other people. Because it's well documented. The mask does not prevent you getting the virus. The mask helps prevent you spreading the virus. But they use that as a bully pulpit. Unfortunately, whenever someone screams, I'm a Christian, to me, automatically, whenever I hear that, and I hate, I hate that I automatically think this, but they're a hateful person. Well, and it's because Christianity has been abused and neglected to the point that people use it as a weapon against others. They don't listen to what Jesus taught because, as we've discussed on here before, Jesus hung out with the lepers and the prostitutes who were considered the dregs of society in his time. Yeah. You know... That's who he was. He didn't hang out with the rich people. He didn't hang out with the tax collectors. No, he hung out with the poor... He hung out with the prostitutes, he hung out with, you know, all them people. And it's just, it amazes me that people refuse to remember what Jesus taught. But we could go on about that all night long and all week long, but we're not going to. Did you see the Pentagon has admitted that the video taken by the Navy is indeed a UFO? Yeah, that article got sent over to me by one of my friends because... They know, and I don't know if I've ever said to you, but I, I have seen two UFOs in my lifetime. And there's no other way of explaining what I've seen. Because that's, the, that's what I had to have seen was a UFO. You can't explain it. Well, but yeah, I saw that. The video that I saw was about two seconds of something you could clearly make out. And that was a triangular-shaped 
craft. Oh, you need to go to the YouTube and look it up. It's more than two seconds. It's well, like two minutes this, of video. It was like a fifth, maybe 15 second video. It's got a commercial playing because I was trying to see it while it's on here, but this commercial is running. It's like a, and it shows a triangle like at an angle like this with a, like a thing of light going around it as it's going through the air. Yeah, and see, then it switches to black and white, and it's just some blob. And and that's, see, what I can understand from me doing that, it's bending light around it to camouflage itself. Cause yeah, that's this, how I understand what it's doing. This video is about a minute long, and about two seconds of it is actually where you can see the triangular shape. And then it switches right over to black and white, and it's just a speck on the screen that's not really... Like, if it wasn't for the clouds, and I'm guessing the moon above it, you wouldn't be able to tell that it was even moving. Now, other videos, you need just go to YouTube and type in UFO um, videos from Air Force... There's tons of them from the Air Force on there. And one of the ones I'm thinking about specifically, it's a jet flying and looking down onto the ocean below it. And there's a craft flying below them. And it's triangular shaped above the water. And it actually switches around. And this glow of yellow light comes around it and kind of camouflages itself against the ocean. And then it kind of switched again, and then you could kind of see the triangular shape of it. Then it switched again, and here came that glow of light around it again. Well, I discussed with our friend, our mutual friend, Dwayne, tonight. We saw him at work, and I was discussing, because Noir brought this up, and I pointed out, you know, back in the days when I was at Hardy's, my first job, so it was way back in the day, but... The, I don't know. You worked at Hardy's, Chris? Yes, Paul. You were there before I was because you're older than me. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know when I met you. But anyways, <laughs> I was coming home from work one night, and in the sky was some kind of craft that had three lights on it in the shape of a triangle. And it didn't really move. And then when I got home, I told my dad he needed to come out and look at it. And when I went out to look at it again, it was moving and leaving, and he didn't come out to look. So I was like, but then, a few years later, was the night that Bill Clinton came on the TV saying that he did not have sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. And the house I was living in, in Hickory, one of my roommates was outside smoking, and he got me and my other roommate to go out and look up in the sky at these same lights, the same exact pattern of these flying objects, and there was a line of them going overhead. And the next day, there was a military strike. I can't remember where it was, I just remember there was, that night there was the the report of him not having sexual relations, those ships were flying overhead and the next day there was reports of a military strike. That's all I can remember for sure on it. 
I'm sure somebody could look it up and see exactly what it was. But, and then a friend of mine, my manager, my work there, she told me that Hickory was in a flight pattern for the U.S. military. I'm going to look that up right quick. Well, well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to move on to the next story because it is the dawn of the planet of the apes. Did you see this? This is from NPR. So it is a legitimate, factual news story. Scientists create early embryos that are part human, part monkey. Shut up. I did read that about them crossbreeding the the embryos. It is the dawn of the planet of the apes. And you can, I mean, it's on NPR.org if anybody wants to look it up and you can read the story. It's a fairly long article, but for me it was just the the humor of the Planet of the Apes. Here we go. It was on December 16th, 1998, Clinton orders to airstrike on Iraq. That, and they said... Yeah, this um, was... Political... This would have been before that because it was the night that he... Well, no, it said, this is what it says. The day before the strikes took part, the Republican-led House issued a report accusing Clinton of committing high crimes and misdemeanors related to Monica Lewinsky. They said the day before. And also the next day, he orders the airstrike on uh, Iraq. That's what it says. Well, I, I knew and there was... A... It's, and, they, and they said it's raised, raised red flags about that, about... Well, I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as it put the attention on him while the maneuvers were getting in place. It's like, look at this right now before we do this kind of thing. So, apparently on December 15th, that's what happened. And the next day there was an airstrike on Iraq. So... But anyways, I cannot believe they actually, who okayed it for embryos to be crossbred with an ape? Monkey, technically, but... Well, I mean, still, yeah. What are they thinking that they're going to, are they going to go through with this and, and put these in somebody and hatch them or whatever? Uh... I'm sure it's for some kind of scientific studies on, like, viruses and cloning and such. Like I said, I'm, I'm not reading the article. I haven't read it yet. It's it's a fairly lengthy article and too long to read on here. But there's, here's a, one paragraph just skimming through it real quick. Thousands of people die every year in the United States waiting for an organ transplant, Young noted. So, in recent years, some researchers in the U.S. and beyond have been injecting human stem cells into sheep and pig embryos to see if they might eventually grow human organs in such animals for transplantation. So, like I said, it was for medical needs. Well, I saw where, you know, the, 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 I know that they can do pig hearts in humans. I do know that. But, Wow. That's just weird. It's the dawn of the planet of the apes. Chris, 
You damn filthy apes! <laughs> but, anyways, the this is from comicbook.com, a story that makes me happy. And I'm hoping it continues to make me happy, because I really want to see it. Blackhawks. Steven Spielberg's DC movie appears to still be in the works. And Blackhawks were basically the fighter pilots of World War II. And I'm a big World War II fan for movies. Haven't we already done a show on that before? Wasn't there like several movies already out mm-hmm. before? That we no. Like that? No. This Blackhawks has been... Done as a matinee serial back in the day, but there has never been a feature it, film made World of it. War, or was it World War One that they talked about the black? It was the. It was the remember we did? Um, we watched a movie on some um, black um, pilots. No, I that was. There were black pilots. That was black pilots. This is Black Hawks. That's the name of the. The unit, basically. The fighter pilots are Black Hawks. They're not black men. That's the name of the group. Oh, okay. Never mind. Because you're talking about the Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah, yes. And that's completely different. That was an actual historical basis there. This is a comic book that they're going to turn into a film. And Steven Spielberg at the helm. Which... Kind of makes me mad at Steven Spielberg because he's gone on record as saying that comic books are not good fodder for films and that they're basically as mundane as westerns when really comic books have such a variety to them. It's not just Superman, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man. There's a lot of stuff in comics that people don't realize. Okay, while we're on comic books, we need to talk about what went on with the... uh... Falcon and what's call him? Winter Soldier. Yes. Well, at least you didn't call him the Hawk. You can't remember the Winter Soldier this time, but you got the Falcon right. Did you Did you see the announcement by Marvel though this past week about them announcing of a black woman Captain uh, uh, Captain America? Uh, the Falcon becomes a Captain America. They announced a black woman to be named as Captain America. Are you talking about that poster that was done? Because that was one of the Wakandans. Um, black woman, Captain... I saw it on Google News, Captain... Maybe it was Captain Marvel, black woman. But it was from Marvel. It popped up on my phone. Uh, let me, I'll I take a screenshot of it. Um, let's see here. I'll take a screenshot of it, and Marvel introduces a new female black, black, uh, a, a new black female Captain America. I've got it here, comicbookresources.com, but it's the comic books, not the films. Well, if they're going to be introducing it, they're going to come to the panels. My guess, I haven't read this article yet, but my guess is it's the the other world's Captain America because there's also going to be a gay Captain America. Oh. 
See, a new black female Captain America will make her debut in July as the United States of Captain America number two. Michelle Wright is the next young hero to pick up the mantle of Captain America in the second issue of the miniseries celebrating the Sentinel of Liberty's 80th anniversary. So yeah, it sounds like it's the the issue after the gay Captain America. That would be my guess. Yeah, since we're talking about this... Yep, um, right here. Nichelle joins the teenage LGBTQ plus hero Aaron Fisher as a, quote, local captain in the United States of Captain America. That's what it is. So okay. it's other worlds Captain Americas. There'll be a gay one. There's a black female one. I don't know what all else they'll have, but that's what it is. Okay. <clears throat> and also... Um, getting back to the show uh, about how they took the shield away from Captain America and how they started training you know how Falcon started training with the shield yep I like that yeah, it's, it's definitely I th I'm thinking this week is the last episode Not positive, but I think it's the last episode because I think there's only six. Well, that sucks. But I can look it up real quick here and see. But there are two quick blurbs that I've got about the Flash movie. It has a new logo that has been released this week, and it has been officially confirmed now. Not just speculation. Michael Keaton will be Batman in the Flash movie. Yeah, Epguides.com has six episodes listed for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The sixth and final episode, April 23rd. That's going to be interesting. So, but... Back to the Flash. The logo. I'm not disappointed in it. It, It's not exactly what I would have gone with, probably, but... Where are you looking at this at? It's on IGN.com. I mean, you can just pull up the Flash logo, Flash movie logo, and it'll be there. But it started day one of production, and this article, I believe, was Monday. Posted April 19th, so yeah, Monday. That? Yeah. It's not uh, awful. I mean, it looks good, but... It kind of looks Spider-Man-ish. Yeah, I can see that, but it's lightning, which makes perfect sense for the Flash. trying to think seeing that one I want to go back and look at the TV show version and see what they have on it it's not pulling up on there so right there yeah it's yeah, I've got it. It's it's similarities because there's one where it's over the lightning bolt, but the the one with the round part 
is above the name instead of the name over top of it. So they are there are differences definitely. But I'm not mad at either one of them. It's just I think that it's not spectacular. I think is the best way well, to describe it. Has this movie started filming yet? Day one of production was yesterday. Oh, okay. So I don't think it's filming yet, but they're getting the groundwork going. What's this movie supposed to come out? Uh, that, I don't even think they have a release date. Let's see if it comes up here. Flash movie release date 2021. Warner Brothers gave The Flash a July 1st, 2021 premiere date, which puts the film up against the animated comedy Sing 2. There is absolutely no way that's going to happen. How can they do that? Film it and put it out that quick. There's no way. And plus no marketing for it. But I think that was the original date. Here it says the Flash movie release date, cast, and more from Digital Spy would be released on June 3rd, 2022. That's viable. That makes more sense. But probably the original release date was July 1st of 2021, and then got pushed back. The Bing little blurb here has July 1st, 2022, but DigitalSpy.com has June 3rd, 2022, so, it's still up in the air as to an official release date, it looks like. Because I believe it was supposed to have come out a couple of years ago, but everything kept getting delayed. And they didn't get every all the films made as fast as they wanted to. And I think part of that was due to Joss Whedon when he took over the now, Justice League. Now, is it, is it true or is it not true that Michelle Pfeiffer is supposed to come back in this movie too? That's a rumor. It's not confirmed. Okay. As to Catwoman. Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton are both supposed to perform Batman in this film. So. How's that? Well, because it's different worlds. See? You should have watched Crisis on Infinite Earths like I told you to do on the CW, and you didn't listen to me. It would explain a lot oh of the God. Infinite Earths theory. So, next time, listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Crisis on Infinite Earths really was a fantastic crossover. It's like, it's going to be hard to top that one. Is it a movie? It was five episodes of television. Oh. The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and Batwoman all crossed over on episodes, and Black Lightning got included into it to bring him into the same universe. Well, I'll just rely on you for that. Uh, you should have watched it. I got the yeah, DVDs, yeah, or the Blu-rays that had the the extra disc with the Crisis on Infinite Earths on them, because that is the only way you can get them running in order without skipping around to other places. Oh, by the way, on your Voodoo, how do I cast that onto a television to watch that? I can't, uh, can 
I have no clue. We'll have to talk about that later because I really don't know. If anybody out there knows how to do that, please let us know because I can't figure it out. Because mine's on Roku, so I don't cast anything. The apps are there. But do you have any news before we get to the passings this week? Um, not any news, but did you see what Linda Carter posted on Facebook? Uh, the one about Asteria? Yeah. Yeah. I like that post. Yep. And, and I think I saw you comment on it. Yeah, it something she asked something like, what, what do you want to see next? And I was like, I just want to see more of her. More, like more Linda Carter and Wonder Woman. Like it's looking down on Linda Carter's character, like the Wonder Woman, as she's walking up the street. Well, it was the, it was a behind shot, and if you look at it, it's a behind the scenes. You can see a ramp right behind her as she's walking, yeah, and the picture's taken from behind. So yeah. I don't know what the ramp actually was used for, but there is a ramp right behind her. It was for the camera to be wheeled up because, you know, during the movie they had the shot coming in behind her like this, yeah. coming up to her. I figured that's what so, it yeah. was, was the camera that ramp. Was but, the camera, yeah. But to there was no on camera visible on it. But she looks, I mean, going back to that movie, the part where she just uh, puts up her arm and holds up that pole, and she said, I've been doing this for years, or whatever that is, oh my God. That was well worth watching the whole movie for just that part right there. <laughs> well, also, I don't know if I told you, but, you know, they did that animated opening of Wonder Woman 1984 where they made it look like the old Linda Carter TV series opening. Uh-huh. That is actually an extra feature on the Wonder Woman 84 Blu-ray and the digital copy. And to me, that was worth the price of admission alone. You can watch it on wow. YouTube, but it's now mine forever. And I can watch it anytime I want. Have you got it on your voodoo? Yes. See, I, I never got to see it um, before they took it away. I only got to see it that one time. So I'm going to pull it up on your voodoo and watch it. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's better the second time. Well, like, well, that's what I want to do is I want to give it a, I want to give it another fair shot because the first time around it was difficult for me to see. And then today, Voodoo had a sale. They have a superhero movie and TV sale on Voodoo right now, so I went ahead and bought the Complete Incredible Hulk because I love that show. That was the TV show, right? Yes, with Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby. The yeah. the drawback to the copies on Voodoo. I was looking through because I was trying to figure out what they had and I was looking at the episode numbers instead of the titles and matching them up to the run of the series because the original pilot and the second episode were two hour TV movies and then it went into an hour long episodes and then the second season the first episode was a two hour movie so the, the actual episode count was different so I was trying to figure all that out but it's every episode Instead of doing them in five seasons, they did them in four, and they've changed the order up from the original air dates. So, there is a drawback to it, but it's every episode, and if you want to watch them in order, you can always find it online as to which one's next. But, I was just glad to have The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, 
at a good price. But that brings us to the sad part of our show again. And today was a landmark day for the courts, but a sad day for the nation because our former vice president and former presidential candidate, Walter Mondale, passed away at the age of 93 today. That's right, he did. I saw that pop up on my phone, yeah. I forgot about that. Not the most successful presidential bid ever, but he definitely championed some rights that were needing to be championed, and he will be missed, for sure. Also this week, saw the passing of Rusty Young, the front man for country rock band Poco. He was 75. And then the one that really hits hard for me, Felix Silla. And you probably don't know the name, but you have seen the work. He was tweaky on Buck Rogers. And more importantly, he was Cousin It on The Addams Family. Shut up. The TV show or the movie? The TV show. Aww. So, he was 84, and I'm, I'm guessing it was probably natural causes at 84, but I didn't see a cause of death. It says he played Cousin It 17 times on the show, which lasted just two seasons, but has lived on for decades in reruns and syndication. And another, I own the DVDs and I own the digital copies. Uh, Scylla's size allowed him to stand in double and or play youngsters as in Planet of the Apes, Demon Seed, and Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, and he did stunt work in The Towering Inferno, The Hindenburg, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Poltergeist, The Golden Child, Howard the Duck, and Batman Returns. So, like I said, you may not know the name, but you absolutely know the work he did. And finally, there's one that I failed to pull up last week, and I feel bad about that. And I'm not sure on the pronunciation of his name. But this was from Variety, April 7th. Walter Okowitz, actor in Twin Peaks, dies at 72. And he was not just for Twin Peaks for me. He was also in Partners in Crime with Lonnie Anderson and Linda Carter, which is a show I desperately would love to see again and wish they would get it on digital and DVD. I totally forgot about that show. Oh, I've never forgotten about Partners in Crime. That show was... I mean, it was only like 13 episodes. And it did get a second life on Lifetime because they showed the reruns for a while. But I have never been able to buy it in any way, shape, or form outside of... I mean, I could get bootleg copies, but I want a true studio-grade copy and be able to watch it and enjoy it. But it says his other appearances included a role as Nick the Cable Guy on the Seinfeld episode The Cadillac... He was in Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me, Twin Peaks The Missing Pieces, and again for the Showtime reboot as 
Jean Michael, although by then he was no longer able to stand. So, definitely had some health issues going. It says he was opposite of Jeff Conaway on CBS's Wizards and Warriors. He also portrayed Tiny McGee on Who's the Boss and Walter Plimp on NBC's Night Court. He made his screen debut in Future World and went on to appear in films including Steven Spielberg's 1941, The Big Picture, Stuart Saves His Family, and Par 6. Says he is survived by his son and two grandchildren. But definitely, if, you, if you're a Twin Peaks fan or if you saw Partners in Crime, you absolutely know who he is. And I very much knew him. It, it's also got him listed as being in Grace Under Fire. It says the character actor also played oil refinery worker Dougie Boudreaux on the first four seasons of Grace Under Fire and a mafia lawyer in Joel Schumacher's The Client. So definitely some huge things that along the way. Now granted Partners in Crime wasn't huge to the masses but it was to me. Twin Peaks on the other hand is huge to the masses. Grace Under Fire was very successful in its run. The Client was a successful film. So, lots of good stuff that you can check him out if you want to pay tribute to him. But, those are the passings I have this week. So, we will be back in just a few moments. Paul chose The Two Popes, which is currently on Netflix. And I chose One Night in Miami which is currently on Amazon Prime. Stay tuned, everybody. And we're back. First up, as always, let's hit the top ten of last week. And of course, I'm going to throw in an extra one because we got to keep track of where Wonder Woman 1984 is. And she's oh, still at number 15. After 10 weeks, no, 17 weeks of release, she made $93,742 on 952 screens for a total of $46,370,364 for a film during the pandemic. Not too bad, especially... One that came out before the vaccine did. But the top ten. Number ten, The Crudes, A New Age, Remaining Steady. 304825 21-week total, $57,083,173. Number nine, down from eight, The Courier, with $440,005. Five weeks of release, $5,525,906. In the Earth debuted at number one or number eight with five hundred and five thousand seven hundred twenty-three dollars. The Girl Who Believes in Miracles holds steady at number seven, three weeks out, five hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars. On that, is that part of the Girl of the Dragon Tattoo series? I don't think so. This is Atlas Distribution Company. I've not heard of the Girl Who Believes in Miracles, but the Girl Who Kicked a Hornet's Nest is one of them. I didn't know if that was and a spin-off of the, as well. The, something about the spider's web was the other one. The girl in the spider's web or something like that. I think that's the only three. The girl who kicked the hornet's okay. nest, the girl with the dragon tattoo, and the spider's web. 
Okay. Number six down from five is Voyagers. Two weeks of release, $779,317. Up from six to five, Tom and Jerry, after eight weeks, $1,112,723, $42,600,064. And of course, the one we've been tracking it with is Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon at number four for the second week. $1,921,979, a little better than $800,000 more than this week. And it's seven-week total, $37,696,589. The Unholy remains steady at three. There are no change in the top four films. The Unholy, number three, $2,051,073. Three-week total, $9,553,806. Nobody is number two, basically two and a half million. After four weeks, $19,031,215. And of course, number one, Godzilla vs. Kong, taking quite a drop this week, down 43.5% from last week. $7,847,227. Three week total for a pandemic is quite amazing. $80,657,654. Wow. So that is your top 10 for the weekend of April 16 through 18, according to Box Office Mojo. And I've still yet to, I want to go see that on the, on the big screen before it goes away. Well, I think you've still got some time with the money it's making. I couldn't hear you, Wyatt. I said I think you've still got some time with the money it's making. Because it's the third week at number one. But that brings us to our first pick this week, which was Paul's pick. The Two Popes, featuring an Academy Award winner, not for this film obviously, but Academy Award winner Anthony Hopkins. The other guys ranked it 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes said 89% and Metacritic 75. Paul, you picked it. Let's let you take the reins. Well, uh, the reason why I picked this is because, you know, Anthony Hopkins um, is a nominee um, this year for um, an award, and um, I couldn't really, there are the, the, a lot of the movies that are out for this, for the awards, is you have to pay for them. I'm not paying to watch anything. Well, but, um, this one is actually nominated this year. Oh, really? The two pipes is actually Yes, nominated. I just looked it up on imdb.com. Best performance by an actor in a leading role, Jonathan Price. Best performance by an actor in a supporting role, Anthony Hopkins. Best adapted screenplay, Anthony McCartan. Three nominations for this film. Wow, okay. Well, there we go. I did pick one. <laughs> Inadvertently, I did pick one. This is a story, it's a behind-the-scenes story of uh, the actual death of Pope John Paul. And, um and how Pope Benedict came about, and then um, how Pope Benedict come about. Of, uh, he was very conservative, and a lot of people were turning away from the church at that point because of his conservative views, and um, Pope Francis was actually coming like a runner-up second place to him being the Pope right behind Pope Benedict. And um, it's actually the story behind Pope Benedict whenever he actually 
um, decided to step down, and um, Pope Francis was, was um, nominated to be the next pope, and how he changed how the world is perceived as the pope. Um, it's it's a very interesting story uh, to me. It was. I'm very. Uh, I've I've studied religion. I've studied um, world religions, and I've studied um, the Old Testament and New Testament on a college level. And uh, this movie actually portrays what exactly goes on behind the scenes during the papal process. And it's very, it shows how human the Pope can be and how human the Popes are. A lot of people put them up on that pedestal of, you know, being, you know, the next hand of God. I mean, but the movie is very interesting. I really loved it. The actors, they portrayed themselves very well. I mean, they were very believable, and um, I really enjoyed it. I was looking it up while you were talking about it. This is the sixth nomination for Anthony Hopkins and the first Oscar nomination for Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price did a great role in this. I mean, he really, I, I, honestly, I was not impressed with the film. I thought it was very slow, and but he definitely looked the part of Pope Francis. Oh yeah, definitely. And they they show a legitimate like Pope Francis and Pope Benedict clip at the end and you can see where you've just seen Anthony Hopkins and honestly I all I could see in Anthony Hopkins was Anthony Hopkins. I could not see Pope Benedict. But as I for Pope Francis, that. I did see Pope Francis in Jonathan Price, who if you recall played another famous Argentinian Colonel Juan Perón in Evita with Madonna. Yeah. And, I mean, as far as the acting and everything, yeah, it was good. To me, the movie was just really slow. It wasn't a story I was really pulled into. And they didn't, like the, the part where they're flashing back, I didn't feel like they explained enough about the, the what what's the word I'm looking for? Where the 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 I don't want to give anything away, but the the controversy in Pope Francis's past that he was telling about the the commune community yeah, they had there. Happened. Yeah, yeah, I I needed more explanation on that because I really didn't understand watching it what was going on. I didn't understand why they were after those people. What was going on was they, they um, I don't want to say the Nazis, but it was they were actually being, the, all the priests were being hunted, being hunted down and killed. Yeah, but and I, that's what was going on. I mean, I'm, I didn't really understand what the, the political situation was there, if it was political, if it was gangster, what. I know it was in the 70s, so I mean, anybody who wants to look it up, I'm sure there's plenty of information online that you can find about it if you really want to know the history but for me not knowing the history this movie just raised more questions than it answered to me it was just pure terrorism and what was going on he I mean if they to me if they were going to say 
this was the bad thing from his past maybe explain more of the situation behind it because they showed him meet with somebody they showed him turn his kind of turn his back on the priests and that he didn't turn his back the, the priest turned their backs on him six of one half a dozen he, of the other kind of thing he went there to warn them to tell them to get out of there that they were coming and that they were going to be there to persecute them and also to kill them he went there and warned them to stop doing what they were doing and to get out and go seek shelter. And they turned their backs on him and did not listen to him. Well, it's, but he ended up saving some of the people. Anyways, he ended up saving several dozen of the people because of, several dozen of the people listened to him. But the main ones, the main priests that had their noses so far up in the air didn't want to listen to him. They're the ones that ended up getting jailed and killed. Some of them did. But he actually ended up getting two of them out of jail. Uh, see, I didn't see it as that. I saw it as they were doing what they thought was important work, and he didn't support them in it, and that's where he felt guilt from, and it just, it left too many questions there. Like, I needed explanation. If you're going to do a movie that's over two hours... Guess what, Chris? Of course you're going to be opening bottles again all night long, clanking around. <laughs> but the to me, I just I needed more backstory. I needed to know what was going on. I didn't need to see them walking through the garden, not talking. I didn't need to see the long helicopter flight. I didn't need all of that. I mean, there was a significant point on the helicopter flight where he yeah. put the earphones on and took them off to not listen to what was being said but yeah. I mean I didn't need all that I needed more information on this story because there is a lot of filler in this film too that they could have cut out and given more story here you just okay. You're sitting there silent. Like, I think the exact opposite of you because I really enjoyed this film. I was sucked into it. Well, you were I sucked was... in by the the nomination and the voting and all that. And I was sucked in by the whole papal process. Which is the and nomination what exactly and the voting. What happened and what exactly happened and how they got around to being Pope Francis. How they got, how they actually, it was, a, it was unanimous for Pope Francis. Well... To me, I thought the, because when Pope Benedict was elected, I thought Pope Francis going around telling everybody not to vote for him would have pushed people to vote for him more. Yeah, he's telling people not to vote for himself, yeah. And, because, I mean, it's more of a humbling kind of situation, and so I, I didn't quite get that, like... To me, it was almost like reverse psychology where you're telling people not to vote for you so they will vote for you. Even though it's oh, not the way it worked. But. Even to this day, he does not live in that palace. He lives in the small area of the palace of the Vatican. Normally, in a normal... I mean, he does not live in the papal palace. He just doesn't. And... I mean, I've I've had issues with some of his stances, but 
overall, I thought he's been a really good Pope, an excellent choice, and a change that the Pope needed to be bringing. Yes. And he's not perfect in any way, shape, or form, but he's much better than what I've seen from the Pope in the last couple. As far as what I'm considering. And I've, I'm not a Catholic, I'm a Christian, and don't really understand the whole Catholicism hierarchy. But to me, he's the best of the popes in my lifetime. Yeah. He's done a lot for a lot of people. So, but anyways, like I said, I enjoyed the movie. I was captivated by it. Um, Anthony Hopkins, I mean... Damn learning Latin. Yeah, that was something else that irritated me was the the back and forth of the subtitles because it's in different languages. And then there would just be subtitles on the screen and then it would say in Latin and have the subtitles. It's like, why aren't you telling me what the other language is? Because Argentina and Italy speak two different languages and they, they were, there was German that they knew. I mean, it's like, what languages were they speaking otherwise? I didn't understand why in Latin was the only one they single out and tell you what language it is. Yeah. But it was interesting. It, yeah, I, I, I kind of forgot for a second that my subtitles wasn't turned on because there was so much subtitles in the movie. And I thought, do I have subtitles turned on? And I thought, no, because it was switched over to English. I was like, okay, yeah, it's not on. So... But, well, it um, should have been automatic on this one. Huh? It should have been automatic because it was an English film, but subtitles in parts. And it's parts know, throughout the, the film. subtitles was part of the movie. What I'm saying is my subtitles turned on where it'd be automatically on all the time. So, no, I didn't have mine turned on. So, but anyways, um, I enjoyed the movie, so... I mean, it's it's not a terrible film. It's just slow and boring. Like, it more or less shines a light on the papal process and what happened and what exactly happened with Pope Benedict when he actually did step down and the whole controversy behind that. And it shed a light on a lot of that. That's the whole reason I think the whole movie was put out. And plus they ended up being friends. Pope, uh, they were... Um, I think that Pope Benedict had a little bit of um, spite towards him at one time, but they ended up being friends. So, and I'm trying to find where because it was the the whole thing about the Pope's assistant too. I. That was a story I didn't remember and don't know the the you ins don't and outs of. No, no, oh, but I that. there was mention of homosexuality scandal, and I didn't understand what all was going on there. So, like, that's the other thing is you need the history for this film to really get all the parts. recreated Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel masterpiece in under 10 weeks after the Vatican denied them access to film the two popes. They did that in 10 weeks? Wow. Well, 
the goofs on IMDb. This is one pretty big one here. It says, The movie states in the beginning that it is inspired by true events, but in fact it is not. Never has there been a meeting between Jorge Bergoglio and Pope Benedict XVI in 2012. Their conversation never took place. Bergoglio didn't want to retire, but in 2012 he was already 76 years old, and in the case of, a, of diocesan bishops who have reached 75 years of age, it is standard procedure in the Catholic Church for a bishop to hand in his resignation. The usual decision of the Pope is to accept the resignation. Also, Benedict didn't inform Bergoglio about his plans to retire, and he didn't appoint him as his successor, which above all would be impossible, since Benedict didn't participate in the conclave in 2013. So, Interesting. that's a huge deal-breaker for this film. Now, also, in contrast, it says the movie is based on historical events including public speeches and published, and published religious debates, but the private conversations between the two were mostly based on conjectures. What you'll always do is you speculate. Hopefully that speculation is based on facts and truth and hopefully is inspired to some. So, anyways. And it says, I didn't know that. In reality, Anthony Hopkins is an accomplished pianist. I was wondering if he was actually playing that piano or not. They said that's really him playing on the piano in the film. And they said he just he was making it up as he went along. Now that was pretty cool. I did not know that he actually could play the piano like that. Also says in one scene after a long discussion, Pope Benedict gives Pope Francis a CD of Abbey Road. The background music then chimes the music and lyrics of Blackbird, which is from the album the Beatles released before Abbey Road, the Beatles' White Album. So, probably because Blackbird was much cheaper for copyright. For copyright, yeah. Because Blackbird was one of the songs that was used and remade for I Am Sam. Because I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but they they had a bunch of artists cover different Beatles songs, but it was none of the extremely popular ones. And Sarah McLaughlin redid Blackbird on that soundtrack. Huh, I don't know that. Yep. Which I Am Sam was a really good film, too. So if you get the chance, I'd, I would recommend watching it. But do we have anything more to discuss on this one, or? Um, no, I'm just, you know, just saying, you know, anybody that has any kind of fascination of what goes on behind the scenes during the papal process, watch this film. It actually is pretty cool. Um, just, like I said, I was sucked in by it from the very beginning, but, you know, I've always been curious about world religions anyways. Well, so, anyway, I enjoyed it. Well, since you picked it, I'm going to give my rating first, and then we'll flip it around on the next one. Okay. Um, like I said, it's long, it's drawn out. I think they could have condensed it. I think they could have expanded on some of the history and explained more. Those are the things that would have really made the story more compelling instead of, like I pointed out, the, the factual errors they have in this film. Leave some of that out and focus on 
the history that they're trying to tell here as well as the deal with the assistant for people who don't remember it or didn't see what was going on there. The acting is fine. Like I said, Jonathan Price is phenomenal in the role. Looks very much like Pope Francis. But Anthony Hopkins looks like Anthony Hopkins. And that's all I could see out of him. Except for the fact that his eyebrows... Like, there were a couple scenes where I was looking real close because it was bothering me. He's like, does he have eyebrows or not? And they are so... They're so few and so clear that you really have to look close to see them. And that was kind of distracting, too. So, but... but the, I, didn't, I didn't even notice the eyebrows. Now I have to go back and look. Oh, it's, it's very noticeable because they, they had close-ups on his face and... Like, you couldn't see eyebrows, but, like, a couple hairs. And so then there was, like, one where it was extreme close-up, like, just above the eyes and just below the mouth, and that's where you could really see there was actual hairs there, but you couldn't see them prior to that. And at least I couldn't. I'll have to go back and look and at that. So it was, that kind of distracted me as I was watching, but it didn't take away from the story. It was just, like, here I am looking for his eyebrows instead of paying attention to more of the film. So that, that kind of brings it down, too. It's, I couldn't help it. It was something I noticed. Because usually as you get older, your eyebrows get bushier, and his have apparently not. Or else he plucks quite a bit. But anyways, as far as the film goes, some of it's got some interesting points, and if you are in the mood for a story-driven discussion... I mean, this this could easily be turned into a stage play. And I'm not taking away anything from the stage because live theater is fantastic and I enjoy it. But this could be done as a stage play with little change to the plot. And that's how it plays out. And it just, like I said, cut out some of the filler, put in some more history. It would be a better film. I'm going to give it two and three quarters. It's not terrible, but it just did not draw me in. Yeah. So, what's well, your go? Um, I enjoyed the film. Uh, I was actually sucked into it. Like I said, I've got a, I've got a history, back, I've got a background in religion. And, um, but I was drawn into it. I really enjoyed it. And um, I want to give it smoke rose. The candle went out and the smoke was going up. Yeah, I was caught that. I was like, yep, there goes the smoke, it's going up. So the messages from heaven was coming through. 
But by the same token, when you blow out a candle, the smoke does rise, typically, so... Well, typically it does, but sometimes it doesn't, so... I've never had one where the smoke goes down unless wind's blowing on it. Anyway, like I said, some people actually believe in that. If your smoke goes up, it means, you know, there's positive, positive energy around you, and that means that you're in the presence of angels and something that's higher presence than you are. And see, now I'm hearing Sarah McLaughlin saying you're in the arms of an angel. No, that song is actually terrible. I hate that song. Oh, you are, you just need to go away now because Sarah McLaughlin is amazing. Do you know what that means? I love Sarah's voice. I don't care what the song means. Do you know what the song means? Never looked into it. I just enjoyed the song. The song means in the arms of an angel. In other words, a um, an angel for the night, for the time being. In other words, you're in a hotel with an angel. No, no, honey, you're in a hotel with a prostitute. No, because you could make ne- negative comments about the the song from Heart. All I want to do is make love to you. And if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's kind of a sad story. Because she can't get pregnant with her husband, so she goes and has a one-night stand so she can have a child. Oh, I know. That's the same thing with that. But that's not a negative thing. She's wanting to have a baby. Her husband is not able to give her that baby, and seems like her husband is okay with it because he would have to know. So, anyway, like I said, that arms of angels, nothing but a prostitute song. You're just horrible and bitter and sour, and you just don't like things that are good. But moving on, let's talk about something else. One Night in Miami. The other guy's IMDb ranks at 7.2 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 98%, and Metacritic gives it an 83. This is a fictional depiction of an actual gathering of Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and and football player Jim Brown on the night that Muhammad Ali won the Boxing Heavyweight Championship. It's nominated for three Oscars, and I'm pulling it up here. Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role, Leslie Odom Jr. Best Adapted, Adapted Screenplay, Kemp Powers. Best Achievement in Music, Written for Motion Pictures, Original Song, Leslie Odom Jr. and Sam Ashworth for song Speak Now. And of course, Regina Kane was nominated, did not win for the Golden Globe. Same with Leslie Odom Jr., actor in a supporting role, and best original song. All nominated, did not win the Golden Globes. I thought the performances were very on key. Yeah, we don't know what the conversation actually was, but it brings up a lot of interesting points and things that I had never really thought about. Like, for instance, I did not remember Jim Brown ever being an actor, but according to this movie, the way it played out, he gave up football to become an actor because the football was giving him a Basically an ultimatum, one or the other. And, of course, Sam Cooke, lots of history there. Malcolm X, turning to the Nation of Islam. 
that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And, yeah, we don't know what was said in the hotel room, but to me, this was a much more compelling story. Yeah, it is slow. And it is story-driven. Very definitely a slow, story-driven film. And also could be done as a live stage play. But for me, it just really kind of kept moving because I was actually compelled by the story. What did you think? It was a lot of yelling. Well, it was... There was a lot of turmoil at that time, too. There's a lot of e- there's a lot of ego in that room, and I was just I'm just, I'm just very turned off by all the yelling that they were doing. And but anyways, it was a real interesting film. You know, I do know that he um, what was it, Cassius Clay? What was it? Is that his name, Cassius Clay? Yeah, Cassius Clay Muhammad before he Ali. became Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, yeah, and uh, ended up winning and. Um, uh, it, it was it was very hard for me to watch. Just like the other film was hard for you to watch. Well, this uh, was the because I'm on SmithsonianMag.com. It answers the question: Is One Night in Miami based on a true story? The answer, in short, yes, but with extensive dramatic license, particularly in terms of the characters' conversations. This night was February 25th, 1964. So, just a few months after the assassination of Kennedy. And you had the the different ideals between Malcolm X and uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. And that was some more clashing and... Not trying to vilify Malcolm X, but he was more for the rhetoric and violence, whereas Mal- or, or Dr. King was for the peaceful solution. And so the yelling kind of goes along with Malcolm X, if you ask me, because that was his kind of style, more aggressive and violent. But the... Muhammad Ali, of course, still Cassius Clay, had not changed his name to Muhammad Ali yet as he had not fully encompassed the the, is, the Brotherhood of Islam. Winning the title that night, and it was an upset victory. It was not expected. 22 years of age, he's the boxing heavyweight champion of the world. There's going to be a lot of ego there. Jim Brown... One of the all-time greats of football. It's like, I don't know much about him, but I do know the name immediately. It's like, I hear Jim Brown, I know a football player. You know, he definitely had legitimate cause for an ego. Sam Cooke definitely had legitimate cause for an ego. Malcolm X had cause for an ego. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of ego in that room. And... Even though it's a fictional conversation that we don't know what was really said, I really was interested in it. I was just turned by, turned down, turned off by all the yelling. Uh, 
like I said, it was a lot of yelling going on. And I was just turned off by it. It was, it was a good movie. There's a lot of, I mean, I like that. Going into it, it was really hard for me to grasp a hold of it, knowing it was fictional accounts, fictional accounts of possibly what could have been said. But, anyways. Well, it was the same thing with the two popes. True. There's no way to get a verbatim dialogue from that. Yeah, we don't know the dialogue, but we, you know, I did learn the papal process of, about it, though. So, um, the Smithsonian.org here has, or the SmithsonianMag.com has a picture. It says Malcolm X seen standing behind the soda fountain snaps a photograph of Cassius Clay following the boxer's victory over Sonny Liston on February twenty fifth, nineteen sixty four, and there's a lot of people around him. I'm not sure where the restaurant was. It's he's at a counter, but and it's definitely a restaurant. But I I don't know. I don't know if it was that night, if it was a different night, but Muhammad Ali is dressed in a tuxedo. Malcolm X in a suit with a tie. I always like seeing old pictures too, just little snapshots into the past. But, but yeah, I'd, I thought it was a good movie. I'd, yeah, it could have moved better. And you have to be ready for a dialogue-driven film. Because there's no real action in this, just like there was no action in the two popes. And you have to be looking for the story in this. So, I, I don't really know what else to talk about on it, because you give too much away, and... And unfortunately, we're having technical difficulties here. The wonderful cable internet that's so reliable has gone out on us. So Paul is no longer with me because, of course, he was by Facebook Messenger. I texted him, got his uh, take on the movie. He gives it two and three quarter stars out of five. And um, I'm going to give it a little bit better. I'm going to go three and a half out of five. Because like I said, it is a story-driven drama, and you have to be watching it to keep up with it. And it does get kind of slow because it is one conversation throughout the night. But I did enjoy it. And then also, what I still had pulled up on the trivia on IMDb that I thought was kind of interesting... In the movie poster, Jim Brown, portrayed by Aldous Hodge, is the only one of the three not facing in the same direction. There's actually four. Three facing a different direction. And it says, when the movie was released January 2021, Jim Brown is the only one of the three men still alive. Again, there's four men. But I found it kind of interesting that they had him turned while the other three have passed. He's still alive, looking a different direction. So... But anyways, that is the end of our show tonight. Hopefully next week we will have no technical difficulties and Paul can stay with me till the end. That's an unfortunate happening here tonight. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Good night and we will talk to you next week.
Goodbye, everybody.